Are you ready? Are you, are you comfortable? It's just so weird doing, like having a plan. Well, it's a loose plan. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm like and I think about things too much. So I think if we deviate from the plan but you have the plan in your head, it's probably going to be better. And if anything was to sum up our relationship better than that exchange right there, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a slightly more meta Harko meets humans than normal. Happy Easter also. Um, it's a wonderful time of year for a voice reveal of an integral part of the Harko meets humans podcast and Harko in general. It's a uh, Benjamin Taylor. Hello. Also, AKA producer Benji, AKA Benji Poynton. AKA Benji Lowtide. AKA Benji Break the Fourth. <laughs> uh, AKA Henny Rogers. Henny Rogers. <laughs> it's the it's the yin to my yang. So good to be here, bro. It's, <laughs> honestly, it's so weird being on this side of the mic. So but. good to be here on your couch in your <laughs> studio. <laughs> Bit of context, if you don't know, uh, Benji is co-runner of Pointon Studios with Silas Futura. This is his studio. These are his microphones. This, the whole thing has been his platform, his master plan. I am just the dumb, fun face of it all. Come on. I'm the, I'm, <laughs> I'm the lamb to the slaughter. <laughs> um, and he's also been in charge of... Not in charge of. It's hard. We're it going to talk hard. about it. So it bef uh, before I launch that, thank you for tuning into this episode. Normal episodes will resume next week. Musical guests that you couldn't even imagine <laughs> coming on. The best and the brightest of mm. the music world. But for now, you're stuck with me. But for now, we thought it would be a really good chance. It's Easter. We had a moment together. We thought it'd be really good to... We've never really talked about what the fuck we're doing. What this podcast is, what Point in Studios is, what, we've like, what, what, what we think about what's going on, what, we're, what we want to be going on, all that shit. And we thought now was a really good opportunity to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And we just wanted to have some drinks and hang out, really, didn't we? Yeah, totally. Um, and so... We're going to start off with a bit, of, bit of context, I think. And then we'll arrive at where we are now and then we'll move forwards. That's the plan we're talking about. And that's why we work well together because we've been working together for a long time. It's probably going on like four years now. Yeah, I would say oh, that... Whenever you got back from London. Yeah. You were there when Two Cartoons kind of end, like before it ended and then... When, whenever Hospitality came out. That was the EP. The EP that no one even knows exists, even though it's on all the streaming sites. I've never had anyone be like, oh, I really like that hospitality EP. <laughs> but to funny. me, it's the most, um, and you'll probably hate this, to be fair, but it's the most you uh, single. I was so in charge of that shit. Yeah. So, yeah. So, as you'll know, because you'll listen to the two cartoons in London story, um, I was in London for a long time and then we came back and moved to Auckland and when Two Cartoons started getting back and finding our feet doing our own thing, 
one of the first things we did was play an all-ages show at low tide in St. Kevin's Arcade at the time. Now, is that the first time that you and I interacted? Yes. We hadn't we hadn't met before then, right? No, no. You you hit us with the cold email, which <laughs> uh, I've come to learn is a, a Harko special. <laughs> the, the cold email, um, and we chatted for a bit, and then I finally got to meet you in the flesh, and we talked about doing an all ages show, which was like quite a big part of Low Tide at the time. Yeah, so um, that's that's a really good place to start because it's in St Kevin's Arcade, which we're like. 50 meters away from right now. Hmm. What what was, you were a part of Low Tide. I think of it as you, Low Tide as you, because you are who I dealt with. Seems to be you who was putting on a lot of the gigs. For me, Low Tide was Benji, but I understand I there was a, a lot of stuff too. going on. Let's like, what was Low Tide in St. Kevin's Arcade? Like what, what, what initially was it meant to be and what did it end up being? So, um, oh, that's a good question. I'm it's I'm great at this, Benji. There's a reason you've got me doing this. <laughs> this is why you're asking the questions. <laughs> I get it now. I get it. Um, so it was started. Um, I I wasn't a part of the original crew okay. of Low Tide. Low Tide was started by um, a guy Stefan Ozich and Josh Cavallo, and they kind of assembled a crew to take on a lease in St Kevin's Arcade. Like, if you go left to Wine Cellar, it's right down the stairs and behind like a big black bang valve door. And um, for a long time, I think the purpose of it was to be like a hangout spot in town for musicians um, and kind of like a shared studio space to do gigs um, and rehearse. Uh, and then I came in far out, probably like six months after what, what year was this? This was like 2015? I was trying to work this out the other day. I feel like it was like 2015. No, nah, it, it would have been 2016. It was kind of towards the end of my um, degree at SAE and I was, I'd just been hired by Spike Arena to do the operations supervising. Um, so I was feeling quite cashed up, you know, as a, <laughs> as a broke student finally getting a full-time job. It was... It's like, I'll splash out, I'll, I'll rent a studio space <laughs> with these people. So that's already kind of fucked. A, li a little bit. It's crazy. I've lived many lives, bro. I think <laughs> that's, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Right. Um, so you were just meant to be a part of this thing. Well, I, I was just paying rent, to be honest, mm. to, to begin with, at the very least. Um, and I had a band at the time. Uh, which was kind of like a hip-hop jazz fusion band that never released and never played any shows. So was it a band? Possibly not. Um, <laughs> but the, the whole purpose of me uh, signing this lease was to have like a rehearsal space for these guys. We're called Fresh Old, um, which was also kind of what I started doing the first few gigs under as well. But never had any intention of uh, it becoming what it became, I guess. Like I had these long-term plans um, of what I wanted to do with my life, but I didn't realize that this was the vessel that was kind of going to like set me on the path to do it. Mm. Um, so yeah, for like the first couple months, uh, it was purely just a studio space. Um, I think the like original guys had kind of, lost a little bit of hope in the way it was panning out. Like, it's, 
obscenely difficult to to run a creative studio in the middle of the city, especially one that doesn't have a functioning lock on the door. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, when I stepped in, I guess it was just like a little bit, bit of new energy and um, I kind of took a lot of the learnings that I had from Spark and SAE and tried to like imprint them on the venue. Started doing like all ages gigs um, with people like uh, My Anatomy, um, The Daffodils even did some some cool stuff there and then yourself. Which was a very cool show. We played with the Nine Express, who at the yeah. time were like oh. our absolute favorites. So it's still amazing. an absolute favorite of mine. And like it was one of those moments where in, in our band, which happened quite a lot, of like, why are these people opening for us when they're so fucking good and we're just like two cartoons? But that was crazy. And oh, what did they call their band? But it was Witty Donners, Bianca Bailey's band from high school. I can't remember what they were called either. But like, oh boy, they called oh themselves boy? Oh Boy, and that right is that, that is Witty Donners' old band. Shout out Bianca. Um, yeah, a, a bit of like behind the veil knowledge for you is that like when I first got into Low Tide, it was also kind of the first time I started hanging around like the K-Road scene and really getting deep into like music outside of university and high school. So I don't know who the fuck anyone was <laughs> at that point in time. And like a, a lot of my... Um, first experiences with these bands like Nine Eye Express were them playing at our venue and being mm. like, fuck, these guys are so cool. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about because, I don't know, they're... Um, now we're like, oh, yeah, like I understand. It's that awkward thing of like it just takes so long to feel like you know people or in a... Mm. in the community sometimes. I mean, but you did very... You didn't give off that impression at all. No, well, possibly by design. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, d I didn't want to feel like I was um, the clueless venue operator, I guess. Well, you didn't. And and that show popped off. Like, that was the first show we sold out ahead of the gig, to be fair. Could only fit how many people in there? Legally, probably like 50. But I think most of the time it was about 100 to 120. Yeah. So we sold yeah. like a good amount of tickets, which we were very happy about. Um, I had an amazing, that was, that gig was very, it probably put off the demise of two cartoons for a while because like that was so much better of a gig than anything we had in England. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like back to like, this is a fun thing. It also felt like, it really felt like, you know, because it, it didn't feel like a venue that had been, that was set up all the time. Mm. It really felt like you and I had like made this actual show appear and it was, just, it was yeah, something right. like cool as opposed to like, oh, I'm just playing, not that there's anything wrong with it, but the bit of kind of like, oh, I'm playing at this venue tonight, oh, another whammy show, mm. you know? No, I get you. I think that that's because the space had to serve so many different things. Mm. Because um, like during the day, it was supposedly like a a functioning studio space where like people like Zoe would come in and and sew, and I would come and like write or um, you know play music, rehearse, do all that kind of thing. 
Mm. And then by the evening, you know, you've gone from having, um, at the time we had seven people involved with Low Tide. So there's like maybe at a push three or four people there during the day. Yeah. Uh, most of the time just me, to be fair. Um, and then at night you've got a hundred people mm. who are supposed to be in this tiny little box. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of a lot of that furniture had to be like easy to move and the PA wasn't always set up and we'd always run cables before gigs because yeah. they'd be running over the floor otherwise. And, and you had yeah. a guy in the bookstore above who was like, oh, no fucking yeah, nah, we, we don't need to get into the, to old mate there. <laughs> he still scowls at me. He's, eh? he's <laughs> okay, so had some severe problems with old... Uh, was it Green Dolphin? Is that his? You know, know. Better than me. He doesn't need a shout out. <laughs> no shout outs. <laughs> um, okay. And then at some point something happened and you you guys got, you left that space and found your new space. What, what happened there? That's, that's a real big yarn. Do you have like one. a, do you have yeah, a, the hardest part about this like inception story is, is knowing what to admit, admit from it. Right. Cause like, Paul Paul Reed dished us out with some like, oh Paul uh, Reed of uh, Rubicon slash Shortland Street. Yes, um, slash what's his uh, property management company? It's like Icon or something. Of course it is. Horrible, horrific man. Um, but shout out to Paul Reed. Shout out. We'll, we'll have him on. <laughs> we'll, we'll have him on the podcast. <laughs> Gab, Gabby's uh, trying to get him on the podcast as well for her thing. Oh yeah, great, great dude. But yeah, he. Um, he did a whole bunch of renovations in the building and then turned around to all of us as tenants and was essentially like, oh, you guys can pay for all that. Um, so can you give us six grand by the end of the month? And we're all like broke musicians, um, you know, sh shelling out a few hundred dollars a month towards the studio space. And now all of a sudden we've got a six grand bill um, hanging over our heads. So we we're like, fuck, all right. Um, only way we know how to make money here is to do more gigs. So we got people like Ollie Warren involved um, and heaps of like the local all ages bands that were frequenting Low Tide and essentially propositioned them with like, this space is going to die. Um, mm. Would you mind, and I hate this by the way, but would you mind playing for free <laughs> so that we could potentially try and earn six grand by the end of the month to pay this dude. Um, and from memory, I think we did pretty well off that show. We, we did an all-ages show called Are You Being Served? Because um, we were getting served this fucking OPEX uh, washout, which is horrific. A whole, whole bunch of the arcade tenants um, were not for it and were threatening to not pay it. And, and we're talking about St. Kevin's Arcade, which houses, yeah. you know, you if you've been to Whammy, if you've been to Wine Cellar, you know what we're talking about. If you've been to Bestie Cafe. Yeah, Bestie, like Jamezi Street, um, art shows at the time were in there. So pr pretty much everyone was against this thing but knew we had to pay it. Um, and so we, we really struggled to come up with that money and then the stars kind of aligned, I guess, like, Zoe and Sam Bailey um, managed to find this beautiful studio space in Eden Terrace at the same time as we're getting this OPEX wash up and at the same time that this uh, venture capitalist company that 
has ceased to exist and definitely don't need a shout out, um, approached me about project managing, like building a VR studio in the old low tide. And so they wanted to take on the lease and uh, pay us out of our bond. And then I also organized for them to pay the OPEX wash up. So we, we managed to get out of this tenancy relatively scot-free and move into this new one. All by chance. Beautiful. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was a great thing. And you basically moved into Eden Terrace kind of right near the, is it the TV3 or TVNZ um, building? Which what was Media, that? Media Works. Media Works, the big yeah. TV building on Eden Terrace. You were kind of just down the road underneath Burger Burger? Yeah, underneath Burger Burger. Um, and that space was fucking cool. Yeah. So that that space addressed a lot of the problems that we're finding in the original space. Yes. Which so is like, right now we're talking about Low Tide 2. If, yeah, low, low Tide V2. Yeah. Um, and if you go search two cartoons, less people, less traffic, it's got a parenthesis in there of like live what did we call yes, it? We called live. it like a live shot or something. 360 live. live video or whatever. Benji shot a 360 video of us uh, performing along to less people, less traffic, a two cartoon single in that space. You can actually, because it's 360, you'd be able to kind of look around the entire space and see exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. But it was amazing. It was amazing, that space. Oh, it was incredible. And we definitely got better at documenting the events that were going on there. So that there is a lot of like photos and videos that you can look at. Did the crew of people involved in the load, because Low Tide was a venue. Low Tide was also technically a collective. Yeah. Did I, the crew would, change between the venues? We added two more people. Um, so yeah, yeah, it did change. And I, I would say it was more of a collective than a than a venue because there there were so many facets to it. Like we before my time even they were uh, kind of treating it more like a record label, um, and then you know we started doing like live session videos with like wax chattels and um, like Rohills, um jazz bands that he'd bring through. So like all these little facets, but yeah, it went from seven to to nine people for Low Tide too. That's just because it was more expensive, yeah. more space, um, more debauchery. And there was also like there was a real collective vibe, like the grow room was happening or was kind of at the at the peak or maybe towards the end of the grow room at that stage. There was like a real sense of like actual collectives being around Auckland yeah, as well. Totally. Which hasn't gone away, of course, now, but there was there was enough of a thing happening that there was even like a like a piece, someone wrote something about it all, didn't they? And yeah, you guys yeah. were featured in it. Like, yeah. there was definitely a sense of like, and this is what, 2017 now? Yeah, about 2017. There was, there's these pockets of things happening. Yeah. And you guys were a big part of that for sure. Well, like, Grow Room was upstairs while we were doing Low Tide in St. Kevin's. And then they moved out um, prior to like the OPEX wash up thing and moved down to Samoa House. And then that kind of timed with us moving to Eden Terrace. So, yeah, there was like a two-year period or maybe three-year period where like these spaces were existing in Auckland and, and there were like a bunch of them, you know. Mm. Um, and it was such a cool spot. As it, unfortunately, it's been demolished. Yeah, now, so but. 
eventually it, it ran its course because uh, the uh, – what's the acronym for it? CRL. The CRL, mm. the like underground train line that they're building in Auckland happened to arrive and go through right through that building. Yeah. Had to be knocked down because transport obviously way ahead of up. Allegedly. Yeah. Yes. Allegedly. Um, well, there, there were like a lot of, um, there were a lot of like stitch ups throughout our course of trying to run like community spaces. And yeah. A, a big part of it is landlords not quite understanding what you're trying to do and kind of putting up some barriers to things like having a bunch of teenagers in a small box uh, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, um, sale of alcohol legally. Um, even even so, landlords would have a problem with that because we weren't going after like hospitality leases. We were going after like office spaces because the cheaper rent, uh, a little bit more accessible. But... There's all these like terms and conditions of oh you, you can't do this. This is supposed to be for like iMac creatives, not you dirty uh, gig throwing creatives, you know. So uh, it wasn't just CRL that kicked us out of Low Tide <laughs> too. It was also our, our landlords at the time who were like uh, pretty much served this ultimatum of you can stop doing what you're doing and uh, be more like the the quiet iMac creatives that we expected you to be mm. or you can fuck off yeah and w we decided to fuck off so and to flip over to my perspective of this whole thing like we had my interaction with you I'd met you through original Low Tide St. Kevs we put on the show it was a great night it was sold out we had a fucking great time great bands I think and that carried, that night was done I think the next time we didn't we wouldn't have seen each other or talked to each other until we did the the next one at Low Tide Two, right? Maybe you'd bought some coffees from Brad at his um, coffee yeah, cart in Remuera. Yeah. I remember yeah, Brad's coffee cart was like right at the top of my road. Brad so. worked at a Brad from Two Cartoons. We at this stage we were all living together in Mount Wellington with the Sports Boys as well, Karen and Jamie. Shout out. And I would hear about Benji through Brad coming home, who was working at a coffee cart in Remuera. Um, that oh Benji from Low Tide has been buying coffees and mm. catching up with him it was pretty cool and then the next time you and I properly talked it was probably another cold email oh um, most definitely most definitely yeah. from me to you being like I've heard you got a new space I hadn't been there um, but of course opportunistically I was like can we play a show there I want to do mm. another all ages show because for me as like someone who'd entered the city I had a big all ages mentality in a sense, but I wasn't connected to anything. So I was just like, well, I'll just put on two cartoon shows and make them all ages. Mm. And this will be my way of like doing this thing. And every time I was like, well, the last one went with Benji. Why would we not just do a Benji one again? Yeah, right. So like I had, and, and, and we, I think when we caught up to do that show, that's when I found out like, oh yeah, they're in a new spot and well, didn't really know all this other stuff happened, but you and I had, it's not like we were necessarily hanging out. No, nah, not really. I, I definitely saw a lot more of um, Brad than I did you. But I always years. remember thinking like, for me, my perspective of you was like, you're the guy who was like running these like crazy cool venues. And I was like, <laughs> this guy's amazing. He's like, he's just got this space. And now he's got this other fucking cool space. Like, mm. 
Yeah, what? I remember just being like super like, this is dope. This guy's dope. Thank you. Well, l- right. Little do you know. It was all you... real lame and... <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Possibly, but no. Um, no, you, you kind of like recontextualized the importance of all ages gigs to me when you did your show there. Right. Because we, we were talking about... Um, the fact that there were at, at the time and probably even now there's not a lot of spaces that under 18s can go and consume live music that isn't like a fucking um, lame ass library which is cool yeah well, it's fine like Library's shout out to council but yeah pretty it's nice to have a uh, it's nice to have different options yeah totally um and somewhere that feels like you're a part of it you know we're, we were right next to whammy bar we're right next to wine cellar like Teenagers who came out felt like they were a part of that, and it was kind of like the training wheels to finally enter Whammy Backroom. You know, and, yeah, and people were so incentivized to not do all ages. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Well, you were the the first person that I dealt with who was over the age of eighteen, wanting to throw an all ages gig. Because for the for the most part, the the people that I dealt with, like um, like Ollie Warren and Neve Pritchard and um, that they were all under 18 trying to throw gigs for people of their own age. And I, I saw that as like, well, this is really cool. Well, this is an important thing. But you were the first person over the age of 18 who was like, no, this is still important that we do these things. And so I, I really carried that mentality forward even now, being like, well, I, I guess I hadn't really clicked that it was as necessary as it is. Hmm. It just seemed like a um, an easy option for us because a lot of the people who were approaching us were under 18 and we didn't have a liquor license. <laughs> I was like, well, of course we throw all ages <laughs> yeah, gigs. Yeah. But you were like, no, we need to throw all ages gigs. This is super important for the city. Um, it's really cool to like get our music out there to like a new audience. So yeah, that's... Well, that's very sweet. Yeah. I don't know what my... I don't think my intentions for all ages shows were exactly how you perceived them to be, but I can't really remember what they were. I think it was just, mm. I think for me it was cool to play a gig in a place that wasn't a, the same fucking place every weekend. Yeah. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Like it felt, it felt like, felt more special. Mm. I still feel that way. Like I'm still thinking about putting shows on in places that we People who like music deserve to see music in a, an array of contexts. It is bullshit that we are relegated to a box underground that has different beers on tap. Yeah, I agree. So I think that was more the motivation for that stuff. And, and the other, but the other thing for the all ages thing is that like, it, we didn't have, I think because of the whole like London experience and the whole like label thing and, the freedom from that and being like, oh, you can kind of just do what you want. It doesn't, there isn't one way to do things. Mm. We had a bit more freedom to, to be like, oh, I want to throw a fucking all ages show. Let's just do that. Just because it doesn't matter. Yeah. And everyone out there was, a, there's a huge pressure and a huge incentivization on for everyone else to fucking not do that, to do alcohol gigs. Mm. And it's one of my favorite things. Um, and I hope you don't mind me bringing it up, but like, <laughs> but it's true. The, the, it's a, it's, it's true because it, I like bringing it up because it's a real good example of mm. this. 
and that like super non-controversial um, punk rock act, uh, Miss June. Oh. Yeah, back in, back in, <laughs> never, yeah, haven't come up in any kind of news. Uh, but Have played a few shows at low tide. Have though. played, yeah. honestly, like some great rock and roll tunes. And at the time, big come up band. Yeah. A big come up band that was, that was like power to them playing shows at low tide and putting, investing in, playing around. Mm. Sure. Um, I got in trouble with them. Uh, That's right. And th- That's right. Because that was my approach to low tide. It was like, this is a space where we can do, you can, it's a, it's a canvas that Benji's allowed people to do what they want. Two guys is going to put on an Elijah show. Anyone can fucking come. It's going to be a, a loud ass fuck show. The night before we were playing, Miss June was also going to be doing the same thing, which was fucking cool. I was mm. like, sick ass. And then I remember seeing on Facebook, like them essentially announcing like, hey, it's not going to be all ages anymore because, you know, there's, we're going to sell alcohol there. Mm. And, and, and like if, if, you, if that's you and you have a ticket and you're under 18, like, you know, talk to us or like maybe we'll sort something out or like you can't come. Like it was just kind of like kind of a bit vague. Mm. And I got to be honest, like, I, like there's two things. I thought that was a bit bullshit. But also number one, uh, number two was that that is the pressure and the incentivization. I'm sure there was something about either like a sponsor coming on board with them or some kind of like monetary like um, carrot dangled that was super beneficial to them mm. because that's how the music industry works often. I mean, Blink, who we've had on this podcast, has talked about that. Yeah. And his book is the, is the tying together of alcohol and music. Mm. It's, it's, it happens because it's lucrative. Like 100%, people, people 100%. get money for this. It's it's they that that's that's how it works. And I got in a bit of trouble because I posted underneath that post like, saying, um, <laughs> "Come to my game." Well, <laughs> well, this is well, that's crazy. Um, the night after, there's an all ages show that's still all ages. So if you if you're under eighteen and want to see a cool rock show, you should definitely come come along to two cartoons yeah, next fine. night. And apparently, I heard from back channels that that wasn't super well received. No, no, not at all. I thought that was fair. Maybe you're going to cut them off. I think it is too. And to to be fair, I can't remember the context of why they did change to be an R18 show. But But for me, it was a symbol of like the pressure that a lot of bands are under. Well, it would have been financial for sure. Um, We we did all ages gigs because we recognised the importance of it. But the all ages gigs did not make... Any money. Yeah, let's clarify. You um, could not survive on just all ages gigs. No, not at all. Not and, at all. Um, you know, we, we were blessed enough that we found a way to sell alcohol legally. Um, we got a beer sponsorship from Brothers um, and they really helped us out, which was lovely. But um, those were the gigs that ensured that, like, we got paid and the bands got paid. It's a privilege <coughs> to throw an all... It's, it's a shame, but it's a privilege to throw an all ages show. Well, yeah, it is. Unfortunately, yeah. like rent prices in the city are super expensive. Um, I've always had the ethos of like everyone gets, like I get paid last and the venue gets paid last. So we make sure that the bands are paid appropriately, make sure if we need to hire like security for a gig that they get paid. Um, it, everyone is covered and then we take whatever's left. And for an all ages gig, for the most part, what's left in, in the kitty is fuck all. 
you know? So I think, and I don't know if this was the case with Miss June, but I will, um, I have a feeling that it would have been me essentially saying that to them, like, look, we'll, we'll pay you, um, but if you want to make a decent amount of money, which I think at the time they did. Who doesn't? Then, then we have to sell alcohol, yeah. and that's just the way it has to be. Um, there, there are obviously like real fringe cases of that. Like I remember one of the shows at Low Tide um, in St. Kevin's, we had 300 people through in a night, and it was, uh, fuck, what was his name? I think his name was Louis. Um, can't remember his last name. But we, we threw an all-ages gig at the end of like, it was the day that Western Springs College finished for the summer. And he didn't tell me fuck all about any of this. <laughs> but essentially he'd gone around to pretty much everyone at school who were like year 13s, year 12s and said, hey, there's this real cool place in town that you can just run amok and like <laughs> drink piss and fucking light off fireworks and do whatever you want. And, um, and that's exactly what they did. <laughs> and it, it was just me. Um, You're like, this is going to be easy. It's just high school kids. Well, yeah, and they uh, just came. <laughs> a lot of the time, like, there were, there were seven of us in the OG low tide, but um, me being young and dumb kind of set the precedence of, like, oh, no, I can handle this. So for, for the most part, during, during the gigs, it was just me. And I would mix. I'd do the door. I'd do everything. And so when you have, like, 300 under 18s turn up and they're all fucking smoking diaries and like drinking um, and you're trying to like police all of that and then they're lighting fireworks inside and all this shit's going on. I had to have like eight arms to make sure that this worked okay. And the, and the cops loved us at that time as well. They used to walk paddy wagons through our venue um, pretty much every night that we had a gig. So I was always hyper-conscious of, like, if people are drinking in the space, that shit needs to go, you know? Like, you can go do that in the park. I don't care. But if you do it here, it's all getting shut down. But that night, with 300 people paying 10 bucks on the door, we actually made quite a lot of money to pay the bands and pay the promoter and pay ourselves. But that's such a fringe case. Yeah. And it was not enjoyable for me at all. It's not what you want every weekend. So unless you're doing that... All ages gigs just like aren't viable, unfortunately. And that's the hard thing. And I would highly recommend anyone like Benji says that and then he put on all ages shows. I'm a fucking idiot. Right? Uh, so yeah. like, and I think again, to bring it back to it, like, and I, you know, I'd love to at some point just, I could talk about Blink forever. Mm. You should totally, if you haven't listened to his episode, you should totally listen to that, but or read his book because the importance of all ages is something that he talks a lot about and I think he talks about how to set one up he talks about how to help you do all those things and why they're important what he what I would like to highlight is the importance of people like yourself um, Benji not you who's listening but maybe you who's listening mm. you someone to just go and do it like so the, it, it, all that shit is there but it does require someone to just fucking do it and it's not the whole thing is that people people think I think are waiting f to do it in a way that makes sense and will be successful in the usual term of that word successful. Mm. But low tide in the usual definition of successful wasn't successful. 
No, not at all. But it wasn't. It was hugely successful in our definition of the word. I, I agree. I think Do you know like, what I mean? Yeah, the the cultural impact of that space was, um, and like the personal impact to me was fucking huge. Like mm. I'll, I'll never forget. And that's some the, of the difference. There. But financially, um, <laughs> we lost so much money over the like two two and a bit years that we did that. Like ridiculous amounts. Um, we had to take out loans. We had to, um, you know, put our heart and soul into it. And it, there were a lot of like rumors going around at the time that we'd cracked it. And then we, you know, externally it looked like we were doing really well. And it looked like it was only possible due to like, um, you know, maybe us having rich parents or, or something like that. The usual you know, the, Auckland chat. Yeah, the, the usual like tall puppy shit. Mm. Um, but the reality of the situation was that we were all pretty fucking like we were struggling in our own rights to, to pay rent um, and do all these other things. But we, we knew that it was more important to put our like few hundred dollars a month into this venue than it would have been to put it into like the bar, you know, or, um, you know, maybe an extra couple packs of ciggies a month or some food or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It, it is crazy. And it but. takes crazy people. But isn't that the point of what we're, of the kind of work we like to do? Like, I, I think so. You know? I think so. A lot of what is great about music and art and creativity is not shit that makes sense. And it's definitely not shit that makes sense if you view the world through a financial lens mm. or a status lens. You're not necessarily you're 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 you're, you're perfect for a certain segment of the music industry, mm. but it's not going to lead you to build a music community. No, which and is it, what Low Tide was, and I think that's the legacy. It was a community. Yeah, well, that's where your like values come into play, right? It's are you in it for the money or are you in it for the, like, the output? I'm in it and, for the money, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not a question? Oh, that's the truth. Oh, okay. God. Um, no, well, it's, it's hard to, to not think about money in, in any context because it, it does drive how we live and, you know, it's how we pay for spaces like these. But if the intention is to make money, then you're in the wrong industry. You should go learn how to trade crypto or... Um, you know, you should get into engineering, but if you out, love, yeah, if you love what you do, then you know you're you're doing the right thing. For for me, it's always been about trying to build communities, and I I really get off on doing um, gigs. You know, right? And that is low tide. I would say that's a good explanation of that. And the CRL turns up. Bureaucracy turns up, mm. landlords turn up, low tides turfed out. The dream is over in a sense of low tide anyway. And for me, that co that hap co probably coincided with me ending the bands as well. I think, yeah, I, think I think you and I were both what you could be considered as like wandering in the wilderness at the same time. Mm. Um, and I think we both also and this is when I think we'll start getting onto a little bit more about what is going on here and what we want to do is I think we were both, 
we had both had experiences of something akin to what we we had done. We had both done stuff that we're like, I like. There's something in here I want to do. Yeah. And the things that we had both done had also taught us a lot about what we think works, what we think maybe doesn't work, what to avoid, what we want to lean into and other stuff to figure out. And we were both searching for that next thing. Mm. While I go pee, (laughs) shout out little creatures, pale ales. (laughs) Maybe you could start telling the story about where we are and how that, how well, point a, in studios started. There's a piece in between, which is the the two cartoons, like VR. Oh, that's fine. That go do. search that. We'll talk about. We'll talk. <laughs> you can go search that. It's worth because Benji does a lot of things. There's, I think, the VR thing is like a um, a, prof, a very. As I, I view that in a very professional sense of of Benji. Which I think will be, which I think will be used in a more creative community sense in the future. But Benji also on the side, break the fourth. I would say it's under that umbrella, mm-hmm. Ray. Break the fourth, which you may have seen me referencing before, is actually um, Benji doing a lot of um, visual projects for people uh, using some pretty cool technology, including a 360 camera, mm. um, which you're currently using to. Can I? Can we say about the? project you've been working on for the last couple of months like who yeah, it's for yeah, you yeah, yeah so yeah. you so you've been categorizing um exhibitions at the uh, art gallery using a 360 camera that you use and then you edit all together all the footage so people can look around the whole room mm. and you tested out a lot of that equipment doing a video for two for, cartoons for yeah. less people less traffic <laughs> which you can watch and it's we did some cool things um well you've you've always been my my little like Pretty much guinea pig for any new idea. Very much so. Point in studios. Yes. I don't actually remember at which point you told me about point in studios. Did you already have the lease? Did you already have the vision? Did you already have, had you already moved in maybe when you were like, I've got this new space? Possibly. uh, It seemed like it happened in a whirlwind. It did. It did. Um, should we should we start first before we say what it is? Point in Studios, the little like subtitle about Point in Studios. It's a home of creatives. Studio A is a hireable space filled with uh, it's the advertising section. Yeah, it's the advertising. <laughs> section. Studio A is a hireable space uh, that both Benji and Silas fill to work on their own creative projects as well as professional projects for people. Mm. as well as assisting or working with people who want to work within that space as well. Yeah. Which a good example of that would be the icon status video for mm. Masbo Q, friend of the podcast Masbo Q. Yeah. And yourself. And myself for the Rebirth 28 live one shot video we did there mm. in that space. And then there is also a Studio B which has multiple semi regular but technically hot desk kind of setup, but most people who work here work here for a long time mm. plus the couches and the microphones we're recording this podcast on right now yeah including downstairs 
a certain Oscar Keys who's just yeah, come in. Podcast alumni Oscar Keys. Who's now actually working away on his own. I can hear clicking away down there. And some very Timaruvian humming. <laughs> I believe he's listening to um, Jordan Luck right now. Oh, fantastic. Timaruvian alumni. And um, fantastic teeth. Fan- <laughs> best teeth Oscar in the Keys. game, best, Oscar best Keys. Teeth in the game. Um, no that, fluoride in the water, I've learned. No fluoride in the water. So that's Point and Studios. That's what it is now. That's what I'm operating in. But mm. when you told me about it, how much of that was like, that's what I'm doing? How much of that was like happening already? Was that kind of, is this, is this what you imagined when you took on the lease? Yes. Yes, it is. So is this, uh, this is kind of like an amalgamation of, this is your idea of what you think would work and could work after your experiences with Low Tide. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, it's a combination of everything I've learned doing events and doing low tide and doing like the break the fourth, like visual stuff with you and, and commercial clients and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it pretty much was birthed. Silas got offered the lease first. Friend of the podcast, Silas Futura. Friend of the podcast, Silas Futura. Um, he got off of the lease because he was actually working in Studio XYZ, which is Ataki's little recording booth now. Um, and it, this space used to be Monster Valley. And Carl offered Silas the lease. And Silas couldn't take it on all by himself. So he hit me up and we met at a cafe. And this was like probably the fourth or the fifth time that we'd ever hung out. Right. Most of the time it was at low tide at like Keith Max Bay or like some of the gigs that it had come to. Um, one of the more memorable yarns was like at Verona, uh, just geeking over Tom Scott for like two hours, talking about the um, Avondale Bowling Club project. Come on the podcast, Tom. Yeah, please. Please come on the podcast. Um, but yeah, like we weren't really that tight before this space, which... I think buzzes a lot of people out because it, it seems like, I mean, even in my life, I, f- I feel like I've known him forever, but I've only realistically known him well since like Jan 1st, 2020. That's so fucked. Which is when we signed a fucking lease together <laughs> for, um, at the time, eight months, but now it's gone up to um, three years. What a massive commitment. That's some real shit right there. Yeah, it is. Um you have to be pretty stupid, I think. I but think the more I <laughs> learn, the more I feel that that's a requirement. Yeah, I think so. Just um, throw a bit of like youthful exuberance at any situation and it normally pans out. But he um, he hit me up. I said, fuck yeah, because I hadn't had a space for like a year. Um, and was feeling kind of like low about it, to be honest. I... I as soon as low tide ended, I started to feel like I'd kind of lost my my purpose in in the community, and that I I needed the space to to feel like I was a part of it again. Um, so I I jumped at the opportunity. Didn't really think about the numbers. Didn't have a stable job at the time. Had fucking nothing thought out. It's just like, yep, give me the paper. I'll sign it. I'll work it all out. Um, 
And yeah, and that's that's pretty much how it happened. I believe I got you a job at Atomic that you got yourself fired from. As yeah, well. I did. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> this is the funny thing. That was during low tide, though, that I oh, got was fired. That, that was near the end, yeah. Um, but yeah, Isaac got me a job at Atomic. You were born to be your own boss. That's yeah. a really polite way to say that. Thank you. Because, but it's true. You're a, you're a very good self worker. Mm. It's just in other situations that doesn't necessarily vibe with certain corporate structures, which is fine. So, yes, corporate so, structures fucking suck, dude. Something like that. Something like that. I also <laughs> really struggle at getting up early in the morning. Cafes and um, yeah, like a six a.m. start just wasn't gonna wasn't gonna happen for it me. It was a waste of your potential, my friend. Yeah. But funnily enough, I was working in a cafe at the time and I was doing part-time work and trying to like build Break the Fourth as a production company. And that was kind of going all right, but wasn't enough to, to pay the bills. Um, in fact, no, I, I'd, left, I'd left the coffee job in May and then I'd been freelancing for like three or four months. And then Silas hit me with this like, hey, do you want to sign up to way more overheads? I was like, yep, fuck yeah. <laughs> Where do I sign? Um, Silas, yeah. who is, we should also say, is like a very accomplished, you're a very accomplished freelancer. Mm. You do a wide array of things from web production, like site production to filming to editing to directing to a lot of stuff. Silas also is a, 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 a very accomplished animator, editor, mm. colorist. Getting into it. Getting, getting into, into it, it a lot more, yeah. Um, crypto trader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both of you, actually. Um, but yeah, you're both, you know, and like, obviously, and you you make music, hasn't come out. No, it, it, we're, I'm putting a whole lot of pressure on you. But, yeah, um, that's, a, that's a whole nother yard. <laughs> Silas as well, who's putting, who has put in, is putting music out as well. Like, you guys do a lot. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that's why this works and that's why it worked at the time when we were talking about it. Because there's so many parallels in what we wanted to achieve and like what we thought was missing and also what we were doing at the time and what kind of space we needed to do our work. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a no-brainer even though um, we were taking on way more than we could afford to pay off just on our own. Um, and, you know, we set this space up under the pretense that we'd have eight other creatives in Studio B, um, you know, paying for, for desk space so that we could afford the, the rent on the whole building. But at the time, we didn't have one creative that wanted to rent this space. So uh, there's a lot of balls in the air yeah. for the first little while. And but I got, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all worked out now, thankfully. But nothing but. set like that at the start no, no that's retrospective and i think um that is a big thing to recognize is that like often nothing is all gonna line up at the start and that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't undertake it you know what i mean i've i've always treated my life like that like okay maybe i i don't have all this figured out but it doesn't mean that i can't like launch into it and figure it out as I go. Mm. Um, and we're, we're still figuring out what the space is. I'm, I still don't know, like, I don't have that real jazzy, like, short, snappy way of sum summarizing what we're doing here. 
I'm still trying to figure that out. Oh, really? Because because we are doing so much stuff. You could hire me. I know. Yeah, well, you've always been our biggest salesman. Points and Studios. The new way. (laughs) Second (laughs) subtitle. That makes sense, you idiots. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. And 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 here's here's like the context from my side. So like that was all happening. We had locked. You guys had. You guys signed the lease before lockdown. I remember because you had to like. By lockdown, I mean like the level four lockdown. Yeah. COVID has hit New Zealand. You you signed the lease. You'd signed yourself up for it. First of January 2020, and then March 24th was lockdown. Yeah. So it was like the worst possible time to start a studio yeah. ever. Totally. And you yeah. and I hadn't. I think we were talking more often then. Yeah. A lot more, but. The podcast was not something in that conversation because at that point, even before lockdown, I had the podcast existed as a thing. I was doing it intermittently um, and filming on GoPros with people I could. I think I did three episodes. I think I did uh, Daffodils. I did Theo and Louie. You did five. I did five. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I did Theo and Louis. No, 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 no. This is the original three before lockdown. Oh, okay. okay. When I was like, because I always wanted to, I was like, no one's talking to musicians. I've got GoPros, let's do it. And I filmed three. I did Daffodils when the sky was orange from the Australia fires. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Theo and Louis for being, me being like, I was doing dry January and I was like, bro, just like, can I come over and film me talking to you? <laughs> I think it's on YouTube still. You can go watch it. Mm. And then I did Jake Love yep. of Sean's birthday and I did Andrew Wilson of Die, Die, Die. And I fi- th- those are all video and audio. Mm. And I had no idea what I was doing at all. I just was like, I know I, I was so searching for something else. And then lockdown hit and I couldn't have people around. So I was like, fuck. After lockdown, I was like, oh, do a few more, but fuck filming it. Cause honestly, like this is the yin and the yang thing. Like the filming thing is just a whole other level to what I'm trying to concentrate on that. I, everything else suffers if I'm thinking about it. Mm. Probably why put out on a limb. We probably won't ever film. They don't hold us to this, but the filming of podcasts adds a lot of tension to conversations. It adds an awareness I don't mm. like. Knowing that you're being watched as a is another layer, I think, to to talking. Mm. Um, well, I'd have to put my pants back on, probably. Totally. If we're doing that. Yeah, uh, which is would make it far less interesting for mm. me. Mm. So I did the next couple. I did Lavina and I did Jeremy Redmore just at my house. Let's just do it on Zoom. Trying to get back into the into the zone. And then and then I think you and I started talking about it. You I think that's when you were like, the space is still going. It's this thing. Mm. And it's how I our conversations, especially now, tend to happen, which is an oddly weird sense of where th- what things should be happening. Mm. And then an admittance that one or either both of us are like, well, I've kind of wanted to do that. Should we just do it? Yeah. And, and then a kind of shared dumbassery <laughs> of just like, let's just do it and figure it out. Yeah. 
Um, and I think, and I and I, what was the first episode we did here? We did Tay and Yuri. So we, because Tay I had known through two days. I'd gone to know very well through two days, was a huge fan. Mm. And Louise is an, was is one of the most kind, generous with her time, talented people that I knew at the time, who I knew also had something interesting to talk about because she was studying uh, spaces mm. and architecture and, and in terms of music and community. So I knew I, at least I could talk to her about that. And she agreed to come and brought Yeri with her, which is amazing. Shout yeah. out to Moogie. And it was like, that was literally the start of it. We were just like, okay, you, you, you had, I think the week, when had you set up the microphones? Was it the week of that? Yeah. Well, we, we talked about it and then, yeah, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm a pretty impulsive person. If you haven't gathered that throughout our conversation so far, um, we, we talked about it. I really liked the idea and I talked to Silas about it and then we went out that day and bought microphones so that we could do it. Um, and we also talked about doing our own podcast together, which was kind of an incentive for us to buy the microphones, which will probably be coming sometime this year, hopefully. Oh, we'll get on to that kind of stuff after this for sure. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty instant. I think you you helped uh, fill a part of myself that that I don't have. You know what I mean? Like, um, I really struggle with this kind of thing, like being behind the mic and talking about all of the things that that I think about. And Benji's talking. never posted about it. Like, if you're okay, this is a good time. If you're still mm. listening right now, you are our people mm. for sure. And because you're our people, we're going to like open up a little bit more. Yeah. But Benji never has never talked, like would never, has never posted about the stuff he's talked about. You would only even know about this if you were in Benji's circle or had been literally at all the venues and all the events the entire time. Mm. And you'd be able to put it together. Um, that's that's really what you're trying to say. You you haven't. It's this isn't a LinkedIn. You aren't a LinkedIn profile. You aren't a. No, you no, aren't an Instagram share of, I, of other people's things about I'm, yourself. You're a guy who does the, the work. Yeah, I'm, and highlights and facilitates other people, and is comfortable leading that important part of the equation be more underground than it should be. Mm. I don't disagree with you there. I, th I wish I was more vocal with stuff, but well, I, I've always been a background person. But here's the thing, and this is the thing that we talk about, I say to you quite a lot, and it, it should be said on the podcast, there's a million of me's. Mm. And I mean that in people who are really completely able to run their mouth <laughs> and be the guy up front and, and all that shit. Mm. There's hardly any... Benji's like you're there's Benji there's Blink there's James Stutley of Papati Records there's 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 very few people who are facilitators mm. and connectors and without those people the loudmouths like myself you would never fucking 
get anything. You'd never hear anything from them. You'd never know anything. Mm. They wouldn't have a chance to speak. And we we incentivize loudmouths and we don't highlight connectors and facilitators, which leaves it to corporations. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. But I, I think um, it's, it's something that I've always struggled with is, is talking about what I'm doing. And like, and a large part of it is like the anxiety and the, the imposter syndrome uh, kind of thing. But you, you're someone that I feel can, how do I phrase this? <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Um, Don't blow my head up. You, no, I can't anymore yeah, than it already is. <laughs> it's there. Um, I feel like you're you're someone that I can trust to like voice some of the concerns that I already have, and uh, represent a space like this well. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, as me, who is someone who is averse to talking. Uh, on microphone and going on record and I'm like I'm not a Twitter person really I have one but I don't have hot at, takes like at this Henny man Rogers. does at Henny Rogers sorry it's Harko it's Harmless Harko now on Twitter oh, I don't know wow. changed. I don't know about that I don't know um, yeah I'm, I'm not really an Instagram person like especially for someone who his job is visual media. Especially as someone who is like, all. here's the here's the exact cropping for Instagram, <laughs> plus the story cropping, plus anything else you might need. Yeah, I know how I know how the game works, but I'm not the one to play the game. I think I think that's that sums me up. I'm a, I'm a very good facilitator of other people who want to be in front of the lens, um, like yourself, like a, a lot of the visual elements of Harko. And the way that that story is told is me thinking about the way I would want to put it across. And it's this, the same goes for like Silas and his new EP. Like a lot of that visual side is me being conscious of how I think it should come across. But when it comes to my own brand or my own uh, like takes on the world, I can't do it. So I rely on people like yourself to, to share like a, a common theme. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Good. So that that's why this podcast works really well for me because more often than not, um, you're saying things on this couch and asking the questions that I would want to ask if I was more comfortable being on a microphone or like if I was more of a in front of the curtain kind of a person. Yeah, because I think... We're of the same organism, just different parts. Yeah. And I think that there's like, people seem to think that I have the some whole thing against like labels and funding and like all this, all, all the, the, the engine. Don't have anything against it. But like there is this, I, it confuses me that we have a burgeoning awareness of our world as a living, breathing thing but can't imagine our creativity is the same. Mm. Point and Studios is a living, breathing thing. Yeah, I agree. Sony and New Zealand On Air and New Zealand Music Commission are not. Like, they can't be functionally. They're designed by humans to work in certain specific ways. Mm. They're not meant to be living, breathing things. Right. Point and Studios is. Mm. 
Well, it's it's evolved um, entirely by the people in here. So, like, we, when you asked that question before, like, is this space what I thought it was going to be when we signed the lease? Uh, the short answer to it is yes, but uh, more specifically, like, we weren't planning to do podcasts in here. That was just something that you came along, you were doing a podcast, I really like you, and I really like <laughs> facilitating, so I was like, fuck it, we'll go and buy some mics and we'll do podcasts here. It's funny because you and I go by our guts and then intellectualize it afterwards. Yes. <laughs> and and that doesn't make either one of them correct, uh, like incorrect. No. I think that like our gut is, creative gut is right. Mm. And we figure out why it's right later. Yeah. But I think this is a really good point like uh, to talk about it because, and, and I do realize we've been talking for a while, but it's a meta episode. So it's meant to be a little bit circle jerk. So yeah. That's fine. If you're still listening, you're obviously into it. It's totally fine. Yeah, thank you. We'll go for too much longer, but um, that's what we're doing here. Like, you're running the space that works for yourself and for the kind of people you want around you. Like, mm. you know, you're thriving here. I'm thriving here. Science is thriving here. We've got Oscar Keys downstairs right now, thriving here. Thriving here. D- director of Church and APs at thy feet. At fucking 8.20 at on a 8 Monday. 8.20 p.m. because he doesn't have any goddamn life. All this fermentation <laughs> tanks. You know, like, we, we instinctively know it's all sick here. Mm. And then if you intellectualize it, you and I, which you and I love to do, love yep. to sit down and talk about it. Like, the, the whole reason we do the things we do is because for whatever reason, no one else is doing it. Mm. Whether it's it's easier to be commercial. It's easier to try and jump on other people's platforms than build a platform. Mm. It's, it's easier to work within traditional structures than it is to try and reimagine what a structure is. It's hard to have the life experiences that throw you out of the norm than it is to just not have them and stay in the norm. Mm. Like like what's happening right now is not only a product of random luck, fortune, life experience, but also it's it has the energy of something that is like for me necessary. Mm. For me is like is truly a difference and a we were talking about it before. We were over-intellectualizing the other day, actually, after after the podcast with Samara. Is that when we had that conversation or was it a different night? What conversation? The conversation about what the intention behind, what, what point in studios in the podcast would like to try and put into the culture if it could do anything. Mm, I think it was after Samara's. I think it was after Samara's. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to Samara's episode, it's, it's a beautiful episode, which got us thinking about a lot of things. But... If I could sum up, like, I don't know what this, I don't know what Point in Studios is. Mm. I don't think you will know for a year, maybe a couple of years. But for me, and you can respond to this, it, it, it at least has a solid intention. Mm. And I think that, that we had this really good conversation about the intention behind this being the highlighting and platforming and holding up of people and ideas that we want to see more of. Yes. In the creative space. Yeah. Then, and like uh, that, 
there is, for me, when we started like cementing that idea, it really put a stark contrast behind us holding up that idea and every other institution, every other outlet. What other outlet and institution has that ideal at the heart of them? Mm. Maybe a tangential part of what they're doing, but it's not at the heart of what they're doing. Yeah, right. But it is here. I, I agree. I think, um, well, that, that conversation stemmed from us kind of recognizing a, a lot of uh, media in general tends to be viewed through like a negative lens. It's all, always something that is like problematic. Um, and that, that is largely what gets clicks and that's what largely gets you paid by advertisers is, is throwing out these um, like controversies and these problems. But personally, I think uh, what I want to do here with Pointon is, is kind of like highlight the people that are doing it right rather than uh, focusing on the, all the wrongs of the music industry or the arts industry or the world in general. I kind of want to find people like yourselves and uh, people like Oscar and um, people like Silas and Gabby and pretty much everyone in this space um, who either rents a desk here or just hangs out here. Um, they're all people who I feel are doing it well and I want to champion that more then focus on like all of the problems that we have. So there are there are so many problems in our creative community that need to be addressed. Um, but I think a way to progress through those problems is to show the alternatives and really like highlight, you know, this way of doing things is wrong, but have you looked at this? Like this is a really cool way to do it. Doing something like yourself. Um, you know, not wanting to be signed to a major label and, and really taking the power of your music into your own hands and releasing it yourself, doing a podcast to get yourself out there. Like, these are all things that anyone can do. Um, they're not necessarily like the normal thing that you do as a musician, but it doesn't mean that you can't do them. And I think the more of, the more people like you that we put forward, and say like, here, here's an alternative and here's something that actually works. Then all of those subsequent problems that we're focusing on will hopefully lessen. So the same thing with um, like creating safe environments for, for people to enjoy themselves on a night out, like when you go to venues um, or even just like in a community space like this, making sure everyone feels welcome and safe and appreciated. Um, if we can really champion people who create those spaces well and see like how they've done it, then hopefully everyone can align with that rather than focusing on all the shit that is fucking horrendous that's going on. Do you know what I mean? There's enough better people focusing on that stuff. Yeah, well like, um, you know, the Herald loves a good clickbait, angry op-ed, you know. And I, I do not want to be the herald. I, I don't want to be. Um, I, I do think there are enough people out there who are telling those stories. Um, and I, I kind of want to view things through a more positive lens and, and really like congratulate the people that have good morals and are doing it well, you know? And I think if, you've, if you're someone right now who's listening, who's listened to this podcast before, you will have recognized immediately that 
the things that Point and Studio is the soil for and has to it is the same things we talk about being important and come up over and over again on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We're talking about community. We're talking about physical spaces. We're talking about being creative, not only about what you're creating, but how you do your business, how you be you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just us talking about this on the couch. It's not just a coincidence that the kind of people we want to talk to and get on the couch talk about the same stuff because it's all wound up in who we are and where we are and what we're doing. And anyone who's not interested in that isn't in our radar. And everyone that's in our radar is interested in that. Mm. And so if you're listening to that, you're in the radar. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's that whole thing I try to say to people, why worry about the people who, why, why even imagine who's not going to get it? Mm. Why even take into account who's going to get it and who's not? Because if you just figure out what you want and what you think is good, you're only going to attract the people who also think the same way as you. Mm. You're not going to really, so why I love, I love filth. And, and mm. why I love, like, a, a, a party I've never been to and will never go to. Mm. Because Filth and Shaq and the entire crew will be like, this is who we want here. This is who this party's for. Mm. This is who it's not for. Fuck yeah. yeah. Crumb Cafe. This is who this cafe is for. If you like soy, get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> That's straight up. And everyone enjoys chilling at Crumb. Mm. Every single person you hang out with at Point in Studios is on the vibe. Yeah. There's a reason for that because like attracts like. 100%. And the more you put it out there, the more you get it back. Mm. So don't put out this fucking, I want everyone to like me. If you're thinking the internet can connect me to 8.4 billion people in the world, I need to try and let, you know, that's my market, you're fucked. Mm. Yeah. Your market is the exact number of people who think, you know, who hold the same values as you. Yeah. Focus on them, bro. Yeah, totally. We've both been quite lucky in our lives. Like, you're almost 30. I'm fucking only 23. Bro, I'm but, so happy I'm not 23 anymore. But God. 23, hardest age to be, am I right, Anthony Tonnen? Please come on the podcast, Anthony Tonnen. Please, please, please. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've, like, I've done some shit in my time, even though I'm, like, Objectively, a baby in this shit. Um, you got such a great beard, though. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of people would disagree with you. We have to figure right. out how to take a. You have to figure out how to take a fucking photo after this. Yeah, we'll get the self self timers, baby. We'll, <laughs> we'll make it happen. But you know, I've worked in traditional forms of uh, the music industry, and you've been signed in a traditional way in the music industry, and we both figured out. That that shit just wasn't working. It's the emperor with no clothes. Yeah. Um, if more people can figure out a way to do it better, I feel like that traditional music industry bullshit will just fall to the wayside. And that's a big part of why I want to champion people who are doing things a little bit like in a weird way, you know, or like not the, the natural path. Mm. Because 
when, especially when I was growing up, I viewed, uh, you know, I wanted to be a musician and a, and a rapper and, and I knew the path that I had to take to get there. Also, I thought it's like getting signed and playing all these shows. And when I decided I wanted to be an events guy, I, um, I wanted to go that traditional route and work like, you know, I worked laneway. I worked for like Sigur Ross. I did all these crazy like large scale gigs. And they fucking sucked in, in the end because there was so much like bureaucratic bullshit that you had to do just to get to the end of it that I had way more fun doing like a 300-person all-age gig at low tide. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had to do that because I didn't know any other way. But now, now that I have seen the other side of it, I'm like, fuck, why would you ever think that that's the way, way forward? So the, the more people that we can champion, the people like Shaki who are running filth, who are just like doing their own thing. If we can somehow help to like echo that voice forward, um, the better our creative community is going to be as a whole. I agree. Good. I think an appropriate way to That's end this. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I think appropriate, it's not, it's not for my good looks. Appropri- I, before we end, actually, I want to say the couch shot. Yes. That is the podcast cover. That was just that was just the couch that you guys bought to be in the studio space. No. You were like, we like this color. It's got two little armchairs that go with it. Let's grab it. Mm. Yep. And it, it it is for me the shot the couch shot is a good um, lesson to other people who are interested in brands who are interested in visuals and all these things from you to them is that because I think it. I, you know, it's it's a completely laden word, but in a, in a sense, it's become an icon of sorts hmm. for the people who follow this. To it's, the, it's synonymous with the podcast now. Yes, you know, people come in for the first time and like, I've seen that couch. I've before. seen the couch. I get to sit on it now. And I think it's a really good lesson that that wasn't it, that wasn't cut. You you didn't sit down in the laboratory and think up. Oh, we need a green couch. We need a white background. We need all these things. It was an amalgamation of skills you had learnt an eye and a taste you had gained and a fluidity of like, what do we fucking have to play with? Mm. And we just threw all that, you threw all those together and it made that. I think that I just wanted to add that in because that's a really good lesson, I think. Yeah. Of like, don't just try and think of everything from the start. Like just trust your, trust your gut, trust your eye, mm. use what's around you. Work, work with what you got. Work with what that's you got. A, that's a massive thing. Eh? It's a massive you, thing. You don't need... A space. You don't no. need all of these things. You just like you say trust in yourself. Just yeah. fucking do it, and and like be okay with failing. What you know, honestly, you won't think it's failure once you've done it because you'd be like that was actually kind of dope. But just be okay with whatever other people tell you is failure. You'll mm. be fine. Um, I think a good way to end it for plugs would be to highlight um, some of the cool stuff that goes on in Point and Studios aside from this podcast. Yeah. Um, and I think a good way to start would be the other podcast we have on here. So if you like this podcast, Pointon also hosts two other podcasts at, at, at this point in time. Yep. One of them is called Third Wheel, hosted by, by Sarah. Ms. Sazok Craig. Ms. Craig, FKA. 
Miss Craig. Sarah Craig. And it's brilliant. She has on two creative guests who work as a duo in some kind of capacity every week, um, which I, as someone who loves how, you know, as I've said on this podcast, two people together makes things, it seems, more special than any other combination of people that, alone or mm. in a huge group. And she really highlights that through a lot of different industries. So it's not just music. Like this podcast is usually it's everything from like a, a, a curation, an art curation slash printing company through to a theater performance to poetry. There's, there's been a whole lot on it, including um, the start of Crumb Cafe, which I work at. Miles and Isla are on talking about that. And Primary, which Gabby hosts. Do you want to tell them about Primary? Yeah. Primary is on hiatus at the moment, uh, but it's a podcast hosted by Gabby, uh, who is a resident in Studio B. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially, again, people from the community talking about their primary school experience. So she plays like, Games. Um, I found it very. Talks relatable. about calf club. Talks about all sorts of things. Um, so hopefully that's coming back later on this year. Um, but she's also working on another podcast, which we probably won't talk about. Okay. Just yet. But it's coming. But there's that one coming. There's and then, more moving in the space. Yeah, and then maybe silas and i might start doing a podcast too. i think it's facilitators it would be a good idea i'd also yeah. like to put the challenge to masbo q yes please who we've been trying to you friend of the podcast masbo q amazing episode who has a very unique view and a very hard work ethic and a very good outlook on creativity and what he does we'd really love him to bite the bullet and get it on just, here. Just get a just podcast, get couch, bro. Just get it going, bro. We, we offered you the couch. <laughs> uh, we want you here. Yeah, it's going to be great. Come on. That, that is also another thing that we could point out to potential listeners of this podcast who have made it this far. God bless you all. God bless you. But also, if you think you can talk better shit than Harko here, you're more than welcome to pitch your podcast ideas. To, to us. Especially if you're based in Auckland, that'd probably help. Especially, in fact, it's kind of a prerequisite <laughs> that you're based in Auckland. Sorry, piss mind, you're out. If you want to do a weekly podcast here, we do have a podcast couch. Uh, the whole plan with this thing is to help facilitate uh, people sharing their voices. So it's, uh, no, no one pays any money to speak on these mics. Um, if you have a good idea for a weekly podcast you want to do and you think that you can do it and you can commit the time to it, we'd be more than happy to have you. So either hit up Harko or hit up myself and we'll make it happen. I'm Harko. Um, other than that, check out our website and uh, see some of the, the cool people that are involved in this space. Um Oscar's got his flowers for this episode. But Shout out, Oscar. But we got Gabby. We've got Harry here. Um, Brayden, who's an amazing painter. We've got Jackson Lester, uh, Ataki, uh, William Styles, Stacy. Like, the, there's so many creative people involved in this space that you should really go check out. And the easiest way to do that is on the website. We've got a little little residence page. 
links to all the Instagrams. www.pointinstudios.com. Bruh. Happy days. We're uh, so good at promoting shit. I know. Dude. And this is the first time I've ever done you've some done plugage, bro. Benji, <laughs> Benji <laughs> you, some... you've done really well. Thank you. I, I would also like to point out, if you've made it this far, I've been shit scared to do this episode for the longest longest time. But now, now that we're at the end, I feel very comfortable being how, here. How was I as a host? Did I make you feel good? Yeah. No, you did. You have to say that. Though, you did. You? Yeah. <laughs> it's on record. <laughs> you did well. No, it's cool. It's cool to, uh, it's cool to be this side of the mic and it's going to be even weirder editing this podcast <laughs> with my voice. Producer but. Benji never sleeps. <laughs> um, and I think the big takeaway as a goodbye would be like, if you've listened, you can kind of understand there's nothing inherently special about me. There's nothing inherently like genius or special about Benji or anything we're doing. We are just some dudes and some non-dudes doing some <laughs> creative stuff. Honestly, yeah. there is, we are just doing the shit. Mm. And we've done the shit in different guises. It's fallen apart. And now we're just doing it here. And that's all that's going on. That's it. It's just some people doing some stuff. Mm. It's going really well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this could all fall apart, but hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully we'll still be here. There's there's more Harko Meets Humans episodes coming every Sunday. Yeah. Hopefully. And for my plugs, definitely more Harko Meets Humans coming. I'm really enjoying this. It's very selfish. I get to talk and meet to people that I've never had a chance to meet before. Oscar Isaacs is a very... Oscar Isaacs? <laughs> Jesus. From Star Wars. Oscar Key's a very good example. Someone I wouldn't have necessarily met that I've become very enamored with very quickly. Podcast alumni and now Point in the Studios resident. Shut Oscar up. Keys. He's totally pretending not to listen right now. But he's totally listening. He's right there. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I love this. But it's, you know, it's going to carry on. We've got some big plans. We've also got big plans for New Zealand Music Month, which we'll be announcing yeah, we soon, which will be really that. fun. Um, we'll probably announce that soon when it's all locked in. Hmm. But this is just the start, I think. I think so. I hope to be back. I hope to be back behind the mic. I feel like this should be a, like a special occasion thing. Maybe when we get our 50th. Hmm. Which we're not far off, Benji. No, no. Week in, week out. This is how it turns out. Scurry. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. This has been a very special episode of Harko Meets Humans. Uh, We will return next Sunday. I hope your Easter was great. Ciabatta. Ciabatta. Ciabatta, mate. (laughs) 